Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I will personally be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem solving, decision making, team development, and much, much more. These sessions are live, virtual, running one hour each month, and I'm going to do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. They did what? Yeah, that is the title of the book that we're going to be talking about on today's episode. Our guests today are Cornelia Gamlin and Barbara Mitchell. They are the authors of They Did What? Unbelievable Tales from the Workplace. You know, it's been said that if you go to a party, find a proctologist because they have the best stories. Well, they may have some good stories, but the best stories are going to come from the HR department. Because sort of like Rick on Pawn Star says... You never know what's going to come through that door. This book is actually a book of stories, and you're going to be amazed at what goes on in the workplace. But more importantly, what we want you to see is the importance of your role. If you are new to HR, you definitely need to tune into this and become part of the networking group that Barbara and Cornelia have put together. We talk about the book. We talk about HR. We talk about getting a seat at the table. We even talk about what's been on that table. So I'm not going to say any more. Let's let them do the talking. You should do the listening and eventually the reading. Let's go ahead and meet our guests, Cornelia Gamlin and Barbara Mitchell. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Cornelia Gamlin and Barbara Mitchell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Yeah, so we are coming to you from three different locations today, Tennessee and the Washington, D.C. area, New Mexico. But we're here together to talk about a common subject. And it's based on the book that the two of you wrote. And the title of the book is They Did What? Unbelievable Tales from the Workplace. And so I believe that most people really enjoy a good story. So I suspect we're going to have a lot of that in our time together today. But before we jump in and start talking about some of the stories and, you know, kind of what we have to be paying attention to, I was hoping that both of you could share something about your background and then how you both came together to write this book. Sure. Well, I'll start. Uh, our background is in human resources, long time with Marriott International, and then also with a startup company in high tech and one in biotech. So came at HR from a variety of of ways and then went into the consulting world uh, and just my passion is around bringing the right people into organizations. I think there's nothing more important than having the right people as Jim Collins said in the right seats on the right bus and that's what every organization needs. So that's where I spend a lot of my time uh, in addition to now writing 
books and we've done uh, five together. Is this our fifth, fifth, fifth together? We've also done a couple of them more than once, which is what we're working on for next year, a 10th anniversary edition of the Big Book of HR. So uh, we uh, do well working together and I'll let Cornelia introduce herself and maybe tell you a little about how our partnership started. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've been in, in HR for quite a number of years. I've worked in manufacturing and then also in high-tech high um, systems integration and um, spent a lot of my time in HR working in the area of employee relations. And you know, a lot of that was on the corporate level. So I got a slightly different view of what the whole employee relations function is, which we'll, we'll probably get into a little bit more when we talk about the book. Um, and then like Barbara, I moved from corporate America and started working in uh, working as a consultant and spent quite a number of years in consulting. And along the way, um, you know, Barbara and I had met each other, uh, you know, had a, our paths crossed a number of times. And as we were both consultants, spent a lot of time, um, you know, just sharing stories and, you know, as we did with other consultants. And Barbara had an opportunity. She had written a book with another uh, colleague of ours. And then the publisher came back to her with this idea for the big book of HR. And she was going to do it alone until they came back and said, well, we accept your proposal, but you've only got five and a half months to write it. And it's a big book. <laughs> so, After all, it is the big book of it HR, is, right? It book is the big book. So, you know, she asked me if I was interested in being a co-author. And that's how our, our writing partnership began. And, you know, then the, the publisher kept coming back to us with, with new ideas. So we wrote a few more books with the publisher and uh, then decided to do, do, do take a different take on it and write a book on our own with a, a slightly different theme to it. Yeah. Well, when I look at your title, so you have the manager's answer book. Mm -hmm. And then I see, of course, the big book of HR. And then I have the essential workplace conflict handbook. But this is a book about stories. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose to write this book? Well, that was interesting. Um, it actually started when we were writing the big book of HR because I was you know, I was finishing up the chapter on employee relations, and I thought my big for me my biggest challenge was not filling up enough space, but having to limit what I wrote um, because you can only put so much in each chapter. And I thought about a conversation I had once with a student when I was teaching some HR classes. And she said, how do you learn employee relations? And I thought, you know, that's a good question. And the way you really learn it, you know, you can learn the backdrop around policies and the laws and how to apply things. But the backdrop to all of that is you have to experience it. And, you know, you're talking about people's behavior and human nature. And the best way to do it is, you know, just kind of being out there in the field. I think that that's how a lot of us, you know, did it, kind of that the baptism by fire. And I thought there's got to be another way. And I said to Barbara, what if we were to write a book and use examples, but use real examples and tell them in a way that it wasn't case studies, but gave people more of a story to keep them engaged. And and that that's how we really kind of came upon this whole idea of let's write a storybook about what goes on in in human resources and what are some of the kinds of things that people have to deal with and make it interesting so it's not dry. 
Well, I have, uh, I guess in my travels talking with HR people, they all have a story. So if you were to ask me like at a party, who would I want to talk to? Probably a cop, because I'm sure the cops got good stories and certainly a doctor. Uh, I think it was on Seinfeld that Kramer says, you know, find a proctologist because they always have the best stories. But certainly third and not that far behind is HR because you guys see stuff. I, I look at what HR sees is like seeing your mom naked, right? It's like, you know, it happens, but you just don't really want to think about it. And you guys see it and you've talked about it. So is this book just a book of stories? Is there something I can take out? Is this like a business book or would this be entertainment? Well, it's a sort of a combination, Mac. We really thought long and hard about it. We didn't want it to be a preachy, teachy kind of a book. We wanted it to be, as Cornelia said, using stories, and that's what we did. We collected stories from, I usually say hundreds of people, and Cornelia always makes me correct myself. It wasn't quite hundreds of people, but a lot of people. We collected stories from them, and then we wove them into a, a narrative, uh, which, again, was a great learning experience for us. But what we really wanted, we had a couple of, of uh, intents. One of them was to let people know the scope, the broad scope of what HR people deal with on a daily basis. We, having both been HR professionals for many years, heard many times people say, well, anybody can do HR. You're just, you're just listening to people or whatever. In fact, I had a boss one time, a CEO, who said to me that my job as the head of HR for the company was to hire people and make them happy. <laughs> Uh, which is pretty much not what my job was. Yes, hiring people, fine, but making them happy, not so much. So we wanted to make that point that HR is a complicated field. And the best way we thought to do that was to tell real stories. But again, we couldn't tell real stories from real people and not get sued. Uh, so we had to work really hard to uh, craft. Uh, we created a company. We created uh, characters and we created dialogue. And boy, was that a tough thing from two women who had spent 10 years working on uh, nonfiction books. We had to go in a whole different direction. But so to, to your point, no, this is not a, a classical business kind of book. Yes, there are lessons to learn. In every one of the stories, there's a lesson. But it's not, here's what you should do if this happens to you. You read the story, you think about it, you think, how, how might I handle that story if that happened to me? And they really are based on real, real experiences. Well, for the manager who's listening to this today, who thinks of HR as either the party planner or the fun police, <laughs> I mean, tell us from your perspectives and your experience, what exactly does HR do? Well, Obviously, we do a lot of things and, and we try to, you know, bring a little bit of that in throughout the book. But but the biggest focus was that employee relations aspect and having to deal with people's behavior in the workplace. And, you know, a lot of times people think, well, it's just, you know, go open the policy manual and apply a policy to it. And it's not quite that simple because every situation is going to be different. Every, you know, you may even be talking about workplace harassment, but Every time you look at it, this scenario and, and you know what actually occurred is going to change a little bit. So there's a lot that has to be taken into account. You know, 
Um, things like, what have we done in the past in a similar situation? What makes this situation unique? Um, what's different about this employee? You know, have they been with us for a long time? Or have they just started working here and, and they're already um, kind of acting in a way that tells us they don't really fit with our values and and not somebody that, that we want to continue having within the organization. So, you know, to Barbara's point, people think every, anybody can do HR, but I don't think the average manager often realizes how complicated it can be when you're dealing with employee issues and employee behavior. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes that behavior might be deliberate, but there's a lot of times that there's an underlying reason for it, like an illness. And that's when you've got to realize that there are other resources that you want to pull into a situation like an employee assistance program. So, you know, I, one of the messages that we hope managers take away is that first of all, if you're encountering something that maybe you've never encountered before and you're not quite sure what to do with it, get HR involved because they're they're better positioned if they can't if they don't have the background to solve the problem like if you're dealing with with an employee mental health issue let's say they can very quickly get your employee assistance program pulled into place or if if you need legal advice they can very easily bring bring um you know the legal counselors in to to help you kind of sort through the situation so you know don't try to go it alone and recognize that you've got a lot of good resources at your disposal is there a balance that you as hr professionals would like to see in terms of a manager so I kind of look at it, the manager, maybe somebody says, I'll just do it and figure it out on my own. Or there's the other extreme of, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And so they show up at your doorstep 15 times a day. I mean, which of those two would you prefer? I mean, obviously somewhere in the middle, but which bothers you the most? The one that tries it and then gets in trouble or the one that won't try anything? The one that tries it and gets in trouble, I think. We're better off to deal with these situations as early as possible with the best possible person to deal with them. And that would be HR and then the resources that Cornelia just mentioned. The ones that compound the problem of thinking that they know what to do, uh, it, can, it can get worse and worse and worse and be much more complicated and cost the company a lot more money to resolve. So- Yeah, yeah I, I, would, I would certainly agree. I, I, would, I would rather be, I would, I want I want I want people to come to HR. Um, I don't want them to ignore a problem. Um, but at the same time, yeah, don't be at my doorstep every 15 minutes. You know, there, there are some things that are relatively simple. You want to be able to, to figure them out um, when when you really have a problem is when you, you start to see behavior occurring over and over again. You know, like the second time the same thing happens, maybe that's when you should be coming to HR and saying, I'm not sure, but it looks like there there's a pattern going on here. Um, what should be our next steps? Okay. And can I just add, sometimes the problem is the manager, the, the behavioral problem is the manager. And we tell yes. a few of those stories as well. Uh, no matter how much we, we provide management development for people of training, uh, we still have managers who make uh, crazy decisions as well. Well, I guess something's got to pay the bills for the three of us. So that's probably not, not good, but I guess we fortuitous, say right? All, yeah, we say it all the time. Why don't people, what, why did they behave like this? And then we go, oh, if they didn't, we wouldn't have jobs. So 
there is some benefit to, to that, but we'd like it to be a little no, less. No, I agree. I and I don't think managers fully understand the potential liability and costs if something ends up going to trial and the reputation. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the one thing I've seen from the management side, which is where I primarily do my tech tactical work is most people, they don't see HR as a partner. We try to suggest, think of HR as a tag team partner in a wrestling match. You know, they don't, I'm not going to expect you to do all the wrestling, but boy, it'll sure be nice if I can tag you in when I get in a bind, but then HR would say, okay, well, I've got you out of it. Now get back in the ring, right? Because you already have a full-time yeah. job. You're absolutely right. It's one of the one of the benefits, and I, I know this sounds a little uh, weird at this moment, but one of the benefits we think of going through this year with COVID is that HR has had to step up in a way that they never had to step up before in terms of how, how do we work? How do we continue to be productive? And being that partner that you mentioned, we want that to happen, and we hope that comes through in, in the book, that uh, don't go it alone, but bring your HR person in and uh, work on these things together. And we think we're seeing a lot more of that right now because we have to. It's interesting because, you know, prior to COVID, the theme at a lot of conferences was how to get a seat at the table. What I saw this past year <laughs> is that HR was being dragged to the table and suddenly like, what are we supposed to do? And and HR is not just at the, at the table, but they're at the head of the table in place that you There you go. There you go. And they've been invited almost out of desperation. So <laughs> this is a chance to spike the football in some people's faces. But, you know, but, I mean, it's like, why didn't you realize what I could bring before this? Why did it take a pandemic? But you know what? We'll, we'll take it. Uh, and, and hopefully when we take it, we continue to just add value. And that's, that's what we want from HR. Well, I wouldn't expect anything less. I mean, that's why you go into this to to be a valuable partner. So if there's a good thing that came from COVID, maybe this is it. Oh, but I'm boy, ready yes. for COVID to be yes. over. I don't know about the two of you. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the book. So you've got some pretty interesting stories in there. And uh, I don't want to tell any of the stories. I'd like you maybe to give us a little hint. I want people to go out and buy the book and read the stories. But I'm most intrigued about the... Uh, the training session on the uh, video thing oh, that kind yeah. of went awry after the session was over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just to get us excited, to, and it's probably a bad metaphor, uh, anxious to read the book. I mean, could you just give us a little lead into that story? And don't give us the whole thing. I just want to hear the, the good stuff. We want to whet your appetite, but we want you to get out and, and read the book. But let me put it this way. A friend of mine who's been in management all his life, um, and, and somebody I, I met when I moved here, so I haven't known him for years. And, you know, we're, we're both writers and we've exchanged, you know, a lot of help and support to each other. And he read, he was one of the first people to read the book. And, and he called me up and he said, you know, you've talked about this book and what you were trying to accomplish with, with it. But I had no idea that the kinds of behavior um, occurred throughout so many different organizations. And he worked a lot in healthcare and he has joked in the past about um, healthcare being only second to the hospitality industry because you work in organizations where there are more beds per, per capita. 
And I said to him, well, you might be surprised, Paul, because it doesn't take a bed to, to, for employees to engage in some types of mischiefs, shall we say. And what we found very, very interesting is when we would ask people, um, tell us, you know, tell us about some of the most challenging situations that you, you've encountered. We heard so many stories along the same line of people just misbehaving and doing things in the workplace that ought not be done in an office or in any other setting that um, you, you could possibly conceive of. So, um, yeah. A lot of interesting misbehavior. And, and as he put it, there was a story about a pool table. I put this in his review. He said, but I'm not going to say any more about that because I don't want to spoil the book for anyone. Okay. So bottom line is when you open this book, there's going to be some pretty good reading in there, right? Uh, we think so. In fact, a, a good friend of ours in DC and who's also a fellow author said, I picked up this book because I wanted to be a good friend and I thought I was going to have to be reading about performance management and benefits, enrollment and all of that stuff. And she said, I had no idea that these were the kinds of things that HR people had to deal with. And thank you for such a fun read. But, you know, people are finding it quite enlightening, you know, and, and I think people who are outside of the HR profession uh, just are really surprised at this is what you have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe a, maybe a clue, if I could just add, is what's on the cover of the book is a conference room table. And that one of the reasons we put that on the cover was we heard more stories about misbehavior on conference room tables. So I always tell people, I will never again eat my lunch on a conference room table. <laughs> Wise words, yeah. So I guess when we say get a seat at the table, that could be a code word, couldn't it? Yeah. But after could, that, that yeah. visual yeah, in my mind, yeah, you're right. I don't think that, I'm eating lunch on the conference something. room table. Why do you suppose that this sort of mischief happens? Yeah. I mean, you gave the case for hotels and for hospitals where there's beds. Why would you, why would this happen in the workplace? Aren't people busy enough? Because people spend more time at work than they do anywhere else in their lives. And most people do. And it's just uh, human behavior where maybe it's, it's, they think this is a possibility. Uh, they're away from their, their the structure of their family life. I, there's a million reasons I could give you. Do any of them make sense or should that be people's behavior? No. But. I think that's just, it's a human behavior kind of thing. And people are thrown together and mischief happens. Okay. Oh, I've never heard it uh, expressed as mischief before, but <laughs> that's a, that'll be our code word. Okay. So yeah, all right. no more mischief. All right. So are all of the stories in your book, because it sounds like there's some funny stories in there. Are they all funny stories or there's some serious ones too? There are some very serious ones, too. We, we really tried to mix it up. Uh, you asked a moment ago about what, what actually we cover in the book, and we really cover, the, I think, the whole employment cycle of employees. From, we, we have some stories about uh, hiring, interesting, funny hiring stories, and we have some termination stories, so everything in between that happens in an employee experience. Uh, but no, they're not all funny. There are some that are a little bit sad, uh, there are some that are very serious in terms of mental illness, uh, other kinds of uh, health issues that 
are, are we hope that people take them seriously, but we hope we intersperse the book, we paste it out enough so that you're not getting all the sad stories in the middle or the happy stories at the beginning or the funny stories at the end. It's it's a it's a pretty easy read, and you don't have to read the whole book chapter by chapter either. Uh, we've got a couple of chapter titles that people seem to gravitate to, and we're probably not going to say those in your podcast. Uh, but uh, it's whatever you want it to be. It's a story. We have the same characters, but it's not a chronological kind of a story. You can read the last chapter first if you want. Well, that's sort of like how life in HR works anyway. There's no sequence. You, like the guy on that pawn shop, he says, you never know what's going to walk through that door. And I suspect it'd be the same. Mm -hmm. You told me that you had lots and lots of stories submitted. How did you select the ones that you used in the book? Yeah, that, that was an interesting process because when we started writing the book, we, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get. You know, as I said earlier, we just sat people down and said, tell us your stories. And what we saw was a definite theme that started to emerge after we were probably halfway through. And, you know, there would be a chunk of stories about terminations or a chunk of stories about interviews or a chunk of stories about bosses who probably weren't the best boss and, you know, lessons could be learned from their behavior. So, we, you know, as, as we started to see the pattern, that's where we started to fit a lot of the stories in. And I mean, I would say we probably used about 90% of the stories that we got. You know, they, there were some that just didn't quite fit anywhere. And even though we ended up with a potpourri chapter, as I called it, you know, just when you thought you'd heard everything. And we had some stories that were just too good to pass up that we had to include in that one. But there were some that just really didn't fit anywhere. So, you know, we said, well, they're probably left, you know, just put aside for now. And maybe when we write the next book, there, there'll be a place for some of those as well. But it, it was interesting, just the, the way it kind of fell together, because it was not the way we really didn't have a plan for, for what the final book was going to look like until we started to gather a lot of the stories. So of the stories in the book, what percentage would you say had situations that HR people were prepared to handle based on their training, whether it was through their degree or through just learning as you go and getting your certification. I mean, are these the kind of things that you're trained to handle or are these examples of what you just never expect? What do you, what would you say to that? I'm just curious. I couldn't come up with a percentage, but I would say that uh, it, it's, you are, you are not prepared for a lot of the things that come walk through your door. It's the first time, especially for new HR people or people that haven't had as much experience. You just people's behavior is unpredictable, uh, and maybe you've had a piece that you can apply. Uh, but I think most importantly is being able to be a good listener uh, when people come to you with problems, and be able to use the resources that we talked about earlier. Your uh, other people within your organization or uh, one of the things that we we loved that we we wove through this book was what we call a networking group. HR can be a very lonely part of of, of a business because you you can't talk to anybody about what you're what's happening in your job every day uh, because so much of it is confidential. And so we put together this networking group where people come together and they can, they're from different businesses, they're from different parts of life but they are able to share experiences and get input from other HR people, totally confidentially. 
And we have found in our, both of our, us and our careers have found that to be extremely valuable. And so we wove that in and that allowed us to tell more stories as well, because all the things we have in this book could not happen to one HR person. Uh, if, if they did, he or she would be unfortunately uh, institutionalized. So, uh, we had to create, uh, this networking group allowed us to then put some more experiences in, but also the networking group provided that expertise that you asked about your question. Uh, if it hasn't happened, if it hadn't happened to me, but somebody in the networking group that dealt with it, that would be a great resource for me to know how I might be able to handle the situation. If a company owner was to read this book, would they in Europe, from where you come from, say, oh, my God, I had no idea this stuff could potentially be going on. I mean, if somebody was to read that, would that be the reaction they would get? Do you think there's enough company owners that don't realize this goes on, all this mischief? I I think so. You know, because if, if you have a smaller company, that you know, the probability uh, isn't around the, the you know the, the scope of the things that would happen. You know, the frequency. But yes, I mean, there's a lot of situations that we talk about in the book that can happen, even even in a smaller organization. And you know, we. You know, we've we we use some examples, and we've touched on it before about people with you know medical issues or mental health issues. That can happen in any organization, you know, anywhere. You know, you also have people that you know they don't mean to be creating mischief, but they just use some bad judgment from time to time, and and you know it it kind of boomerangs back to them, and you know without without any of them realizing it. And I think you know for for a smaller company. And, and a business owner, you've got you've got to be as equally prepared as the you know the novice HR professional. That hey, some of this stuff can happen, and what do I do with it when it when it does? You know, I I never thought I'd have to deal with this kind of a situation. Um, you know, I never thought I'd have to deal with somebody um, you know really acting out, and and then to find out that yeah, there's a mental health issue that's underneath it. You know, the person's not on their meds, and those aren't things that HR people can can really um, solve. They they just have to understand enough about them to say we need more help. And and the same thing goes for for a business owner. You know, none of us are therapists. Um, not, none of us are trained in that area. So th that's when you've got to turn to, you know, some kind of an outside source for help. But yeah, I, I, th I think there's a great majority of these things that, that could happen um, at any time in any organization. So for the HR professional who, because I mean, I, I would think that if this book really gets out and company owners start really beginning to panic, they're going to start going to their HR person and say, hey, are you ready for something like this? The HR person, if they were honest, would say, no, no, I, I really don't know what walks through the door. What, what would your recommendation be for an HR professional to sort of stay in shape for these kinds of things? I think just to be as uh, always learning, uh, you know, I'm totally belief, uh, believer in lifelong learning and HR in particular, the field changes constantly. Uh, this past year, we certainly came right up uh, against it with, with uh, COVID-19, but also for just keeping your skills up to date, uh, reading, seminars. Uh, Mac, you've got programs that people should be tuning into, podcasts, 
all these things where you can get experience and learn before it comes up. Can you always be prepared 100%? No, there'd be no way in the world. But I think if, if HR people need to be constantly learning, which is why things like certification make that happen because you need to keep your, your uh, certification up by taking uh, getting, getting credits. But you can do that in so many ways now, uh, reading. We think our books are helpful. Just being resourceful and being uh, resilient and always wanting to learn, not putting your head in the sand and saying, oh, that'll never happen here. Odds are it will. And the one thing I would add to that, you know, Barbara talked about the network group that, that we have in the book, and it's just so important to have other colleagues, even if they're outside the organization. Sometimes it's better if they're outside the organization. Um, just to say, this just happened to me. What do I do about it? Um, or you know, if you hear somebody else who is suddenly faced with a problem, you know, keep that in mind because if it happens to you down the road, that's the first resource you should be turning to to just say, "Can I talk this through with you?" Um, you know, I mean, I had a situation not that long ago where I, I was working with an attorney around a situation, and you know, we were both sitting there, kind of scratching our heads, and you know, kind of doing this. Well, on one hand. It could be approached this way and then on the other hand it could be approached that way so you know even even when you've been in the field for a long time as both of us have been because she's been practicing employment law for a long time the answer isn't always very obvious it's not right in front of you and sometimes it just takes walking through a lot of those what-if scenarios to to try to come up with the solution well i think that's probably a pretty good time to to stop and figure out how we find this book. How do we get all of your books? I mean, I think right now we all realize there's a hell of a lot out there that we haven't experienced. I'm almost afraid to dig in there and see what potential danger lies out there, but it is out there. So how can we reach out to either of you? How can we get the book? Uh, where do we start? Well, we'd like you to start with our website where you can get access to all of our books. Uh, and that is uh, big book, bigbookofhr.com. Easy to remember, hopefully, but it's not just the big book of HR. That just happens to be the book we were working on when we put the web, uh, put the, uh, web, the, what am I think? What's the word here? Our, our website. Thank you. But we also uh, on our website have uh, our, our weekly blog. And we do a, um, an email blast once a month to about 5,000 people. We'd love to have people join us with that. Uh, and we are both available uh, through that, that website. Excellent. So big, bigbookofhr.com is the site to go, right? Right. Okay. We're, we're also both on LinkedIn. And as you had mentioned earlier when we were chatting, that that's probably where most of our network is, is on LinkedIn. So you can connect with us through some of the links right on the website. And we do have a Twitter account where we're out there on Twitter and you can also find us on Facebook. But, you know, the party for us really is on LinkedIn. That, that's where you're going to get the most information about what's going on and, and updates on, on the books. But start with the website and that's just an easy way to reach, reach out to us. And if you can't remember the website, our books are available on Amazon. Okay, very good. What book isn't, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, that's great. 
Well, Barbara, Cornelia, thank you so much for taking time out today to chat with us. And if you're listening to this, please go to bigbookofhr.com. Make sure you get a copy of this book. Sign up and get into that networking group. If you're an HR professional, you do not want to do HR life alone. So thank you both for being on the show. Thank you. It's been a delight to be with you. Thanks for having us, Mac. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.